0: Will you join me in welcoming the players and the coaches of the Belmont Women's Basketball Team? Thank you all for being here. Watching Sharon baptize Maddie reminded me of the time that I baptized the tight end for the Baltimore Coats. (laughs) When I baptized Carl, he displaced so much water the entire bass section of the choir was baptized with it, so <laughs> he went all over the neck and stuff. <laughs> the people who study people and how people make decisions have found out something really interesting. When faced with a, a, a question that has options door A, door B, door C. We will take the option that we think is most attainable. We won't take the option that we really want. We won't take the option that we really think is best. We'll go for what we think we can get. It's called game theory. And it's a way that we adjust our expectations Based on what we think is available. The interesting thing is, this even happens in relationships, and that when you see a potential partner, you will choose somebody that you think is attainable, rather than the person you really want. Now I know I have started all kinds of Sunday afternoon arguments uh, by bringing that up. Uh, but it is true. We will go after option B plus. Rather than option A, we will take what we think we can get rather than risking it all. Risking it all and failing is too hard, too brutal. We would rather be satisfied with less. And it's interesting how we use this game theory in every aspect of our life, including our faith. Rather than risk a Jesus that we think we cannot attain, We'll settle for a Jesus that we think fits. We'll compromise. We'll add in a little, take a little away to make Jesus more manageable. In other words, we'll settle. The shame is, this Jesus we settle for, this false teaching of who Jesus is and what he can do isn't a Jesus who can save us. So, Paul reminds the Colossians in his first chapter of the letter to the Colossians stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to pick up right in the middle of this great hymn that opens this, this book. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood set on the cross. Now, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed by your evil actions, by now he has reckoned but now he's reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless blameless before him if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and not shifted away from this gospel of hope that you have heard this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and I Paul have become a slave of it for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him this is God's word for God's people hear it believe it and live. Let's pray together. There's always the temptation to boil your message down, to take this part but leave that part. There's always the push to make you less than you are, so we pray, Father, we would go for the whole enchilada today that we would take you for all you are, receive from you all you came to bring. And we pray in this in your name. Amen. The book of Colossians has four chapters, but honestly, it will take you a lot longer than that to read the book. It is some of the densest Christology we have. Some of the most difficult reading we have in all of the Bible is in is in this book of Colossians. Uh, it's like chewing oatmeal. The more you chew, the more you get. The longer you study, the deeper you go. Uh, and, and so I'm just warning you, if you're going to go, hey, I'm going to go home and read Colossians this afternoon, don't plan anything else for the rest of, uh, well, pretty much 2019. The reason this book is written like this is Paul is confronting what, he, what theologians have called the Colossian heresy. Now we do not know exactly all the details of the false teachings that were coming to Colossae. We have, we have stories and rumors and, uh, and conflicts from all kinds of false gospels and from, from, and from that we can kind of discern, kind of figure out maybe what was going on in the Colossian church. You see, after Paul would preach the gospel, people would follow Paul, and they would come and say, Paul is a great preacher, Paul gave you a great sermon about Jesus, Paul told you a lot about Jesus, but he didn't tell you everything, and they would add to the gospel, or they would take away from the gospel. I've always told you there are two words that will give you a real clue that you're into heresy. Two words and, but, or, and, or. Jesus and, you're you're into heresy. Jesus or, and you're into heresy. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that is the teaching of Christian church. Okay? So look for those two little words The the church in Colossae was taking Jesus and or Jesus or and were making him a little less than he really is. They were compromising on the great teachings of the incarnation, making Jesus a lot lot more like us and a lot less like God. Jesus who's a good friend. Jesus who will hang out with you. Jesus whose teachings make you feel better. Those teachings of Jesus that we love and we've underlined in our Bible, right? We want to we cross-stitch them and put them on our refrigerator door because they just make us feel great. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Put it on your refrigerator door. We love those friend comments about Jesus. We are not comfortable with the king comments of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. Not if you love me, think about my suggestions. If you love me, keep my commandments. They will know you belong to me because you keep my commandments. We love having Jesus as friend. We love having him as Savior. We love having him as little baby Jesus in the manger. But Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. Mm. Got to be an easier way. Got to be a better way. So, so we'll take away those things that make us feel uncomfortable. Um, you're not. You're not sinners. I'm not a sinner. We just. We just have trouble. Nothing wrong with you that your parents couldn't have fixed that they had really loved you. No, the gospel is bad news for its good news, and the bad news is we're really messed up. And given the choice between evil and good, most of the time we'll choose evil. Did you notice what he said? That after Christ made payment for his sin, after he paid for sin through his body, that he presented you to himself, presenting me to himself, holy, faultless, blameless. Now, first of all, this is not something you and I can do, okay? You can't leave here and go, today, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be holy if I have to hurt somebody. <laughs> See? That's the attitude you have, right? I'm determined I'm going to be holy can't do it. This has to be a work of Christ in you by recognizing that what he wants, you don't know how to want. That what he wants for you, we don't know how to do that. Once you were trapped in your own evil thoughts that gave, gave proof of your thinking by what you did, by your actions. You know, one of the things that we have found out is what you hold in your heart, you will simply do in your life. What you desire, you will end up doing have you lost your car keys? Right? You know the drill. You're getting ready to go. Where are my car keys? Where are my keys? So you look at the usual places. Okay, they're not where they're supposed to be. I don't know why I don't do this. Everybody has a place for the keys. I have a place for the keys, but I never put them there. And this is why I'm trying to find them now. You go look in the coat you had on yesterday. All of a sudden, you can't find your keys. Now you're beginning to realize, if I don't find my keys, I'm going to be late. The adrenaline starts in your feet, blows up through your head, and now your body becomes a key-seeking radar. Right? You're scanning everything. Everything in your house disappears except for keys. And then you find them. They were right where you left them, right in front of you. You didn't see them until it became everything you desired. That's why pornography is so dangerous. Because it's what you hold in your head, and what you hold in your head, and what you hold in your heart, you will soon do in your life. Your body will soon find those opportunities to do what you have been thinking about. Paul says, you could not deal with this on your own. So Jesus had to do it. And he did it by presenting you to himself. Get that. He makes you holy, makes you faultless, makes you blameless. Then he presents you to himself. You didn't come and apply for the job that had, hey, I'm looking for somebody holy, blameless, faultless. That's me. I'll be glad to help you, Jesus. No. He took the mess you were, made you holy, faultless, and blameless. Now, we love those words, right? Holy, set apart, different. Now, you know the dishwasher story, right? Okay? Jeannie says, load the dishwasher. So, I load the dishwashers. I think you should put dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Jeannie says, you need to wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Then you don't have a dishwasher. You have a dish rinser. I'm the dishwasher no I paid for a dishwasher I'm gonna put dirty dishes in the dishwasher my theory is you leave them in there long enough they'll get clean (laughs) all right you know the drill I am as lazy unloading the dishwasher as I am loading it and you know what happens I come home one evening I'm stressed I need my fix of Oreos I get the Oreos I get the milk fill the glass up full of cold milk and you turn the glass up the milk goes down just a little bit and you see what's on the bottom of that glass You don't recognize anything that's on the bottom of that glass. What has happened is the dishwasher has taken all that stuff you put in there, chopped it up, blown it up on that glass, and then baked it in there. Now, notice what you do not do. You do not calmly say, oh, I'm okay. I've just, I've just been drinking the top part. That's not what you say. You do what I do. You drop the glass on the floor, you grab your throat, you tell your wife to call 911, you have been poisoned and you're going to die. You wouldn't dare drink out of a mostly clean glass. You wouldn't get it out, look at it, and go, hey, that's all right, it's mostly clean, it's just dirty at the bottom. But every day we expect Christ to use mostly clean lives. holy, nothing in your life, nothing in your attitude, nothing in your thoughts, nothing in your behavior that would cause Jesus to hesitate to use you in that moment. Okay? Ladies, I played basketball. Okay. I made the team. Okay? You know the look on the coach's face. You're sitting down here still in your warm-ups. Somebody has fouled out or is in foul trouble. He's got to put somebody in. She's got to put somebody in. And they give that look down the bench. And they see you. And you can see it on their face. My whole career. <laughs> is there anything in your life that would, he- that would cause Jesus to hesitate to use you in the moment. Holy. Thoughtless. Let's stay with the glasses. Reach up into the cabinet, you pull out a glass, and before you pour your milk in it, you look and it has a crack going down the side. What do you do? Take your chances. Hasn't broken yet. Probably won't break now. Do you feel it? No, because it's going to break. Now, only is it you're going to break, but it's going to break when you have it right here up in your face and it's going to cut you and you're going to explain to the ER doctor how you got a mess of your face like that because you were drinking milk. Uh-uh, you throw the glass away. Why? Because there's a fault in the glass and if it hasn't broken yet, it is going to break. I know. You think the little sin in your life nobody knows about, you think the little sin in your life is just yours, I keep trying to tell you, sin is like kudzu, it will not stay in one part of your heart, it will grow all over everything. Sooner or later, that thought that you have nurtured as your private sin, sooner or later, it breaks. Is there anything in your life... That will break when Christ uses you. Blameless. No smudges. Yes, that moment when you put on your coat, you have dressed every year. you have got pants, belt, shoes, socks, cut, tied your tie, pulled your shirt, and you look on, and something's on your jacket. Now there's a dilemma. One What's on my jacket? How did it get on my jacket? And what do I do now that it is on my jacket? Do I rub it off? Or if I rub it, does that just rub it in? Do I use water? Or does that make it worse? Do I use one of those stain removers that removes the stain by kind of blending it into everything else? Or do I send it to the dry cleaner? What do I do? That's why we always love bringing something home from the dry cleaning, ripping off the plastic, and looking how good the suit looks. Blameless. No smudges. Because you know if you wear that smudge on your jacket, the only thing anybody's ever going to see all day long is that smudge. Right? You walk up, hey, I'm Mike Glenn, good to meet you. Hey, Mike, how are you? What's on your jacket there, man? <laughs> All day. And you want Jesus to send you out, I want Jesus to send me out when the only thing they'll be talking about is a smudge. Holy. Thoughtless blameless. This is how Christ has worked in your life, to present you to himself without fault, so you'll be useful in the kingdom. And this is yours, Paul says, if you do not compromise on the gospel, if you don't make a little side deal, if you trust Jesus to be who he is. You know, we like Jesus as friend. We like Jesus as teacher. We don't like him as Lord. We don't like him when he says, do this, no questions asked. We'd rather, you know, think about it. Right? I mean, you know, I I keep telling you, all of us have this board of directors in our head. This group of people, this group of opinions and thought leaders that we run our life. Jesus is one of those. Right? And we'll consider what he has to say. Somebody wrongs us. We'll have the board meeting. And we'll ask Jesus, what do you think? And he'll say, turn the other cheek. That's interesting, Jesus. We'll give that some thought. Let's talk to some of the other members. Clint Eastwood, what would you do? make my day. Let's go with Clint. We're not as comfortable with Jesus as King, with this gospel that has made Paul a slave. We know how proud Paul was. We know how strong he was. Can you imagine how hard it was for him to write this word? Have you ever been beat? Uh, okay, you, you lose a fight, you lose a game, and you think to yourself, "You know, if we'd done this, we'd done that, we could have won." Have you ever been whipped? Okay, whipped means not only did we lose, I never had a chance of winning. You've been whipped. That's what Paul said. I have been whipped by this gospel. Never had a chance of winning never had a chance of being stronger than Jesus. It's that moment, guys, when you're wrestling with your dad and your dad gets tired of it and all of a sudden throws you in a hold or pins you down and holds you on that floor with such force, you know, I'm whipped. My dad can really hurt me if he wants to. That's what Paul is talking about. I was so thoroughly defeated on the Damascus Road I don't even have a say in my own life anymore. Whipped. You know what Paul says about a life like that? It's the only way to find peace. It's the only way to know you're going to be okay. For the peace, he writes in another letter, the peace of God will guard your heart. Now what kind of peace mans the battlements? What is it about the peace of God that will tell you, go ahead and sleep? I'm going to watch. It's not the absence of war. In our world, peace is just the absence of war. Peace is knowing that it's already won. You can sleep, it's already won. This Jesus who whipped Paul whipped you, whipped me, whips everybody. Peace. The story will end the way Jesus says it will end. You know how the book is going to end. You know. How the story finishes up. Peace. With this Jesus, who is a fullness of God, whose birth we celebrate on this Christmas day. So, this Christmas, don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anybody less. Let's pray together. your head's bowed and your eyes closed. I'm not going to put you on the spot and, you know, make you feel uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want to do that. But I do want to give you time to think about your own life. I wish there was enough time and uh, enough space for us to kind of sit down. Maybe you and, and I have a cup of coffee and talk about things. about whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you do, is that relationship totally complete? Are you settling for a smaller Jesus? A Jesus who's nice, but who can't help you? I wish there was a way I could make sure that none of you left this morning with a Jesus who was too small our counselors our ministers are standing out at the table you find a big sign out in the atrium that says next steps they're waiting on you to pick up this conversation right now hey, if you find a place to find your place in Brentwood Baptist Church to help you know the fullness of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ I beg you Do not leave this moment with anything less. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. We pray the choices we make now are exactly what you want.